we are now going to do a, um, a short video about the creed. We've done this each week and uh, I want to encourage you to profess the words of the creed together as we do this. We've been looking at each section, but it's more than information. It's a statement of faith as we are gathering together. And I want to encourage you as the video plays, don't just watch it, but I want to encourage you to, to speak along, to speak these statements of faith together. They are powerful and active and uh, effective. So here we go. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, for all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God begotten not made of one being with the father through him all things were made for us and for our salvation came down from heaven was incarnate from the holy spirit and the virgin mary and was made man for our sake he was crucified under pontius pilate he suffered death and was buried on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son with the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Uh, well, yes, uh, we're going to be looking at a section of the creed today. We're looking at the part that talks about the church and uh, the creed when we get there will say uh, that we believe in one holy catholic and apostolic church and uh, what i really want to challenge us with this morning as a i guess a brief introduction would be uh, do we believe in the church in the same way we've kind of used the same language uh, over the previous weeks to talk about we believe in almighty god we believe in the incarnate Jesus, uh, which are foundational truths to us. But uh, this morning we're going to say the same with the same kind of sense of strength that we believe in God's church. And uh, do our lives then reflect that? My big question for us really is, uh, do we believe in the church? Do we believe in the biblical view of the church? And how does that bring shape to our lives now? How does that uh, shape the way that we live and uh, what we think of God's church. And uh, if we were meeting at the TDA, as we were planning to for uh, this series, uh, I would have probably started by saying the church is not a building. It's not a, uh, a specially designed place where we do this. It's not something undercover that we have to, to gather to. The, the church, uh, as we know, as we've been doing this now for some time, is not dependent on a building. It's a, the church is a body of believers. 
It's the people of God. Church expresses the life of God in community. And it's about being a body, a people, uh, rather than a building. And so if, you're, uh, if you've got children with you and uh, they're listening in, I would love for them uh, to draw uh, for us uh, some kind of representation of us as a community, uh, rather than building a, 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 a brick and mortar building uh, God is about building a people group. And so I would love children for you to uh, spend some time uh, drawing the many different people that make up Life Life Church. If you get my hairline right, extra special points. And uh, and uh, I've been on SlimFast as well since the last time you saw me. So uh, very uh, be very careful when you get to drawing me. Uh, but what we want to try and, uh, and bring out from this morning is that God has a much bigger view of the church than I guess many people in our uh, community, not our church community, but outside of that would have. And I based that on uh, some comments that I had recently with a, a guy at work who was asking me what I was doing with my day away from uh, working with him. And uh, I told him I was doing some bits for the church. And uh, his reply was, well, why? What a waste of a day. The, the church is closed. The churches have been closed for the last three months. There's, there's nothing going on. There's, there's nothing happening. And yet, actually, uh, the evidence that we've seen as we've been together this morning, we've, we've uh, talked about God moving in power in different people's lives. We've seen uh, a, a, an extra special season of togetherness over Zoom. We've cried over Zoom. We've seen wonderful moments of generosity. The church is alive and kicking. And uh, I want to really encourage us with this. Uh, I believe in this kind of church. And so this morning, what I want us to do uh, in the brief time that we have together is to look at the two parts to the sentence of the creed uh, that I read for us, that we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And uh, I want to kind of break that down for us and see how we can learn from this, see, see how this can change our view of the church. Firstly, it would be important to explain what we mean by Catholic uh, in this uh, reference within this uh, sentence that I just read. Catholic church is not a reference to a set of beliefs or doctrine as we might understand the Catholic versus Protestant church. Uh, the doctrine and the, the foundation of beliefs are what we've been setting out in the previous weeks. The word Catholic here means the global or the universal church of Christ. So when we read this sentence together, we're talking about the one holy, universal, global church of Christ. That's what it is that the creed is talking about. It's centered on uh, the fact that we are united as a people. If you're a believer of Christ, you're, you're united in him. It mentions the fact that you're holy. We're a holy people. The Bible says that we're holy because he is holy, because we've accepted Jesus and his victory on the cross his uh, death and resurrection has meant that uh, we can we we can be joined to him and we are holy as he is holy the bible says in Isaiah it says that though your sins were like scarlet they will be as white as snow this is what unites us together we're believers uh, a body of believers uh, with this truth in mind and it's this truth that unites us the church uh, it's, it's a group of believers, not about geography. Geography doesn't come into it. Style doesn't come into it. There is a global, universal church that is united 
around its belief in Jesus Christ. That's the first part of the sentence within the creed. Colossians 1 verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Talking of Jesus, saying that he's the head of this body, and we make up this body as we're joined to him. Also in Ephesians 4 verse 15, it says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when every part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Wonderful, vivid images of the church that we'll explore a little bit more together. But Ephesians is a great book to read. Uh, We're talking about the church. It talks about this universal idea of the church with generations of generations of people making up the church. So the first part of this sentence about the church that we would have said together and we have done previous weeks but I read for us this week says that we believe in the universal church and we believe that we're part of that because we've accepted Lord Jesus Christ and his victory over sin and death that has made us holy that we're caught up in that and we are his church. The second part of the creed though talks about the fact that the church is an apostolic church. It's built on New Testament foundations. The apostles in the early chapters of Acts, commissioned by Jesus to make disciples of all nations, filled with the Holy Spirit, they instinctively set about planting churches in as many places as they could, locally and in nations. And there they set up local expressions of church. They they put leaders in place. They put foundations, church. How do we do this Thing that we call church they put all those things in place and we read about this in the new testament so there's a there's a global universal church where generations of people have been added to christ and and we are part of that if you're a believer in jesus but there's also a an apostolic approach to this as well where we believe in the new testament foundations the the local the local church the local expression of church paul writing to the Corinthians, uses the same body image that we've been talking about before, but says to to a Corinthian church, to a a specific group of people, but you are a body, and individually you make up part of this body, that that you're as necessary as somebody else in this body, that that together we are the church. And uh, a wonderful, vivid imagery of uh, what it means to be part of a church together. So we must hold both of these things that we've been talking about in the creed, this glorious image of being joined together with uh, men and women around the world, giving worship to God today uh, in, um, in churches in all nations, but equally our local expression here on Zoom in Peterborough and the surrounding areas. So uh, I wanted just to comment briefly on those things before we uh, pick up a little bit more, because I think that there is a, a danger with having an emphasis on two, uh, on one of those sides of the sentence and not the other. And I've seen this myself uh, with uh, different friends and um, can understand how easy this can be. But if we, we must try and, and get this right, where there is a danger if we focus too much on the universal church, we focus on the fact that we're part of this 
um, universal family where uh, if you're a Christian and you're part of my family, where everywhere there is a, a provision of this, an expression of family, if we focus just on that, then we take ourselves out of the local expression of what it actually means to be in family, of what it actually means to be in church. We take ourselves out of the fact that uh, the church is about a, a local expression of care, of accountability, of, of one another, and that's what the Bible teaches within its local context. And both these things are important. If we, if we keep our eyes just on the, the universal church, it's not a full expression of church life. It allows us to uh, pick and mix style with, with church, and we can shape it ourselves rather than belonging to a local body. And uh, I want to challenge us. Uh, there might be people that have added to us over this season. Maybe you've had uh, different experiences of, of being gathered in a local body. Let me just uh, help us to say that the universal church, the fact that we have brothers and sisters everywhere uh, in the whole world is wonderful, but it, it is not the full expression of church. The Bible encourages us to have a, a local expression, to be part, to belong to a local body. There's this wonderful image of, of mutual growth and gifts being added that make up the body, as we looked at briefly within Corinthians. So let us not lose sight of the big picture of what God is doing through his lo local church. I think there is a danger the other way too, where if we focus too much on what God is doing here for us in Peterborough and only on our, our local expression and not what he has called us to outside of this, then we can become easily disillusioned with what's happening. Sometimes we can get easily stuck in what we're doing and forget that we're actually part of something much bigger, where we're called to give of our resources, give of our people. We're, we're called to be uh, on mission here in Peterborough. We're called to something much bigger than ourselves. We're called to be a local expression that has significance here, but also significance outside of ourselves. And that's something that we hold uh, really close to our hearts here at Life Church. We believe that God has called us uh, to be a base for, for mission, for mission to be launched from us to other places, and we are, are seeking God to grow us in this area. So we must get this right. We must hold both the, the local and the, the importance of being a body and a, and a people together here in Peterborough, to connect on Zoom, to not neglect to meet together, to welcome one another, to care for one another, to look out for one another, to, to see one another grow in Christ, but equally know that we're part of something much bigger, a global uh, universal expression of being church family and that God has called us, into, called us up into that with him as well. So the church is very much central to God's plan. We've seen that illustrated as I've commented a number of times about being a body or a family. Equally, uh, the, the Bible paints this stunning picture of the church. It talks about the bride of Christ. That's God's view of the church, that Jesus laid down his life for the church, an imperfect people, but God is, is causing us to be caught up and, and we're his beautiful bride, made holy. A stunning image of the future church that we can read about in Revelations. Likened to a, a city or a bride, uh, there's such uh, rich imagery that we read about in Revelation, we're going to do a whole series on it soon, the, the gold and jewel-encrusted city. Uh, this is the kind of image that God 
that God paints in the picture for us of, of the church. And I want us to, to kind of uh, lift our view of the church. I want us to, to, to freshly appreciate what kind of church we believe in. We believe in the, the church the Bible paints a picture of. An interconnected, radically together community, a family, a body, a diverse in its makeup, but each part is necessary in the body of Christ. It's beautiful, isn't it? And uh, we're sold on this. We believe that Jesus has called us to be uh, his disciples in, in uh, seeing his church flourish here in uh, Peterborough and outside. And so I wanted to share just a few short verses in our, our very short time together just to help us to explore that a little bit more. As I was uh, thinking through uh, what we could share because much of the New Testament talks about the, the church and how we can function as believers, how we get to do this and, and, and we, we want to spend lots of time trying to learn from that, trying to learn how to bring shape to that. Our, this is our humble attempt at what it means to be a New Testament church and we want to keep on learning and growing in, in what that means. But I felt like God impressed on me, uh, particularly for us for this season, about the purpose of the church in mission. And I wanted to read some verses for us that I think hold both the, um, the now in the local and the universal nature of the church. And uh, so I want to read them from Matthew 5. You'll probably recognize these verses. This is the uh, section of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's an instruction to a, a very, uh, at the time, unimpressive band of believers. And uh, Jesus makes some huge statements about these believers, huge statements about this people group, about his church. And uh, he makes some massive statements that, that he, he has a bigger image in mind for his church. And uh, I, I want us to kind of uh, take these as well and to uh, seek God in and how we can grow in these areas now, but also in keeping in mind that he is growing something much bigger in and through us in our church family. So Matthew 5, verse 13, Jesus says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. For some of us, these will be fairly familiar verses, and I just want to give us some bullet points, I guess, really, in, in, in this. But I, do want, I feel quite stirred to share these, that we are... We're called to be a, a salty people. One of the things that uh, Jesus said specifically to his, uh, his small group of followers on that mountain was that, that you're going to be a people that if you were removed from the world, the world would know. And uh, I believe Jesus is saying these verses uh, to, in, in a number of ways. But the way that kind of really stuck out for me, one of the things that salt does is that it preserves our presence is bringing uh, a preservative nature to our world. The, the world, as the Bible paints a picture, and as we see with our own, uh, it, with our own eyes, is that the, the world is in need of preservation. There is a rottingness, 
about the world. There is uh, lots of wrongs, lots of things that are happening in the world, and the world is decaying. It needs a salty church to be present within this world, to be in this world uh, that will bring a distinctness, that will bring uh, something of his favour that will prevent the world from rotting around us. And uh, I think there's some really obvious examples of this within this season. I think I will just mention very quickly that I've had a number of texts and, and emails, and I know others on the team have as well, about how do we engage with this whole subject of race that's going on, this, this terrible evil that has been highlighted afresh to us um, uh, on, uh, particularly by the media, but has been present way before um, this. How, how do we engage in this subject? And so we're going to do some stuff as a church family where we uh, can walk ourselves through this and try and learn about how we engage in this. But this is an example where we can be salt, where we can be salt and stand against the evils of this world, where we can take a stand and have a voice as a church family against this. What about locally for us now with within this, this, uh, this new uh, normal that we're living in, we know that there's a number of people who are struggling with fear, with financial worries, with marital problems. That, that's they're the, the stats that we see uh, uh, within our nation. Well, we're called to be salt in this time. We're called to be a salt that are sprinkled on these things. We're called to, uh, to approach the areas of this world that are rotting and decaying. And Jesus says, you're salt in this, uh, in this city. And so I want to really encourage you, uh, where is it that you're being sprinkled? Uh, where are the areas that you can uh, make a difference in this season? Then Jesus said, you're the light of the world. These are, these are, this is a statement that he's made of himself. And, uh, and we've talked about in previous weeks that actually we're bearers of his light, that we're called to reflect him in this darkness. The, the light is clearly noticeable in the darkness. You can't secretly sneak light into darkness. When light arrives, darkness disappears. That's the way uh, that it is. And, and Jesus is saying to his group of followers, I don't want you to shrink back. I want you to, to represent his glorious light in the darkness. And there's an opportunity for us to do that in this season of uncertainty, uh, to be light shining in the darkness. And, uh, and what I want to encourage you with is that there is an element here where Jesus has said this to a small group of fairly insignificant followers that went on to do uh, amazing things, amazing exploits through the Holy Spirit. But I, I would say that he wants us to know this as a truth for us now as Life Church as well as his church globally that will be a light in the darkness. There's a number of ways that we can engage in this. But um, one way that I just wanted to highlight to you is that we're looking at whether we can run an alpha course online in the coming weeks. And we'd love to know if you want to engage with us in that, if this is something that you think you would benefit from yourself, is this something you'd love to be involved in, then why don't you uh, drop us a message on the chat, you'll go through to Paul, or drop us an email in the week. We'd love to hear from you. But, we are, as a church family, are called to be a, a light that cannot be hidden. Well, I, I stole the last bit there. The city set on a hill is the last part of these verses. That I, I recorded a short video on top of the uh, tallest uh, place in Peterborough that I could think. Unfortunately, due to being so high up, it was too windy to play, and you wouldn't be able to hear anything that I was saying. 
I'm of course talking about the Tump in Hampton, uh, the tallest mountain in Peterborough. But what Jesus says to his disciples here is that the, the church is to be a church that is visible, not hidden, an expression of life that is not something that can be ignored. And uh, we definitely feel that as Life Church. We believe that God has called us to be significant, not just in this season, but in the seasons to come. There's this glorious image of the church. I, I could talk about this for days, but I'm not going to. But, but Jesus, Jesus, I'm sure when he spoke this to his followers, I'm sure he had in mind the, the image that Isaiah had at the beginning of uh, Isaiah and Isaiah 2. He says, there's a... He says, in the latter days, the mountain of the Lord will be established above all other mountains and the nations will flow to him. The nations will flow to him. And I think this is a really exciting image for us as a church. Jesus is saying, friends here, Life Church in Peterborough, you're a city set on a hill that can't be hidden. There's something about your presence that is meant to be visible and uh, the expression of life that is, is meant to be made known like a city set on a hill. And one day, there's going to be, you're going to look across the horizon and you're going to just be able to see the church. That's what he says, the mountain will be set above all mountains. And we hold that in view as well. But ultimately now, we're called to live uh, like this. And I really want to see this. I really feel quite excited, freshly envisioned in reading these verses. I want to see vibrant expressions of cities on hills in towns and villages around us. Here in Peterborough, I want to see a significant city set on a hill in Peterborough. I believe that this is what Jesus has called us to uh, in this season. In my um, in my preparation, I was reminded the the time that this really sunk in for me was when I was in Serbia with our, our friend Vlada, who many of you know, and he lives in a in a city which is a similar size to Peterborough, similar population and uh, he leads um, a church of uh, just less than 100 people who um, are the only uh, charismatic believers in his uh, city in fact in a number of cities around him as well and uh, the majority of people in his city are caught up in an expression of tradition and um, uh, and and locked down in in kind of um, in superstition and a number of different ways and and they're trying to pre they're preaching grace in that city a, a really small group of believers that are having significant impact in that city and i remember looking across uh, there's a there is a mountain not a tump a proper mountain in serbia and i, I was looking across with him and I, it just really it just really struck me that this is what jesus has called us to be whether you feel like you're significant or not in this season we're called to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden that will see uh, great moves of god as we faithfully and diligently uh are salt and light in our city we're not called to be a static community we're not called to just keep busy we're called to be a vibrant family that has a significant purpose and role to play so my question for us, friends, as we look at this section of the creed is, do you believe in the church? Do you believe in the same way as you believe in the other parts of the creed? Do you believe in the biblical image of the church? And if you do, how is this affecting the way that you live now? Are you giving? Are you serving? Are you caring for people? Are you praying? Are you dreaming about his church? Allowing him to 
to speak into your heart about his church and his great exploits that he has ahead of us for his church. He's caught us up into something that is so much more significant than once a week meeting. Do you believe it? Let me encourage you this week to dwell on thinking, reflecting about his church, his purpose, the now, and the vision that he is building uh, to come, to allow that to fill our hearts as we reflect on uh, his church. You will be uh, helped by that as we look at our daily devotions as well, which you should get into your inbox. But let me really encourage you. I want to be a group of people, a, a body, a group of believers that say we believe in the biblical explanation, the biblical image, the biblical vision of God's church. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We pray that you will meet us here again. Lord, thank you for this morning, being able to be together. Lord, we pray that you come and meet with us. Come and meet with us today, here, now. Come and meet with us in a week as we seek you. Come and awaken our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.